What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome to the Great Girth Podcast. Uh, I've been excited to do this episode, actually, because we got quite some topics. Austin, buddy, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm in a weird mood. I'm tired. I'm grouchy. I don't know what it is. And my stomach hurts. It's just been feeling like this for days. I don't know if it's probably all the shit I've been eating, but my stomach definitely hurts. Yeah, it's going nonstop this past week. It's been absolutely insane, but... We're getting closer. We are one day away. Yeah, we're getting... No, dude, like, we're getting closer and closer to that, as well as our situation, and we're getting a whole lot closer to the busiest time of the year, Christmas, but that just means that's all we have left is that month two months to some people and then it's over the year starts all over the easiest part is the beginning in january obviously i've always felt summer and on dude is fucking tough it sucks but we should know tomorrow if the joe biden presidency is over before we get into our main topic let's talk about that the virginia deal i didn't read much of it but i know people are like everywhere on Facebook with it. So let's go ahead and give people a recap of what's going on. So in 2020, Joe Biden won Virginia by 10 points. Um, the Virginia's considered a quite a blue state nowadays. Um, like right, when, right before Obama was elected, Virginia was considered a swing state, but so many liberals have moved out of D.C. and into Virginia that it's turned pretty blue. Um, and Virginia is mostly suburban white women. Um, and Republicans have had some problems recruiting them. So Joe Biden got 10% of the vote in Virginia. But it looks like, the, according to not only Real Clear Politics polling average and Fox News polls, but also Trafalgar and Monument polls, and a Republican gubernatorial candidate is about to is about to beat a former Democrat governor of the state of Virginia, and if that happens, every single moderate Democrat in Congress and in the Senate are gone. They're not they're not voting for any of um, Joe Biden's mandates or anything Joe Biden wants to do because they're going to be seen as radical and they will lose their seats. And this is just showing people. So Joe Biden is definitely sitting at home. Praying that the Democrat does not, uh, that the Republicans don't flip the Republican, or the Republicans don't flip the Democrat gubernatorial seat in Virginia, because if they do, it means that Joe, all of Joe Biden's entire his infrastructure plan, his spending bill, all of his agenda just died. How likely do you think this is to happen, though? I predict the Republican wins by two points. I'm thinking so, too, because not only, as as I've said, there's a silent majority, but look at his approval rating and look at what a lot of people are saying, Democrat or not. It's not good. It's not a positive review. If Joe Biden was a movie, this is not a positive review. It's uh, it's very bad. Um, I used to say Obama was the worst, but mm, this is pretty bad. (laughs) The thing is um, that... I don't trust a lot of polls. Polls kind of suck usually, but Trafalgar and um, Monument 
polls are usually really, really good. So, um, well, and when when you hear like Ben Shapiro and them talking about it in a positive light, it makes you wonder too. Because yeah, they talk a lot, but they're pretty smart too. When you hear them telling you to hang in there and that things are looking up, it gives you a little bit of hope. It right. really does. It, it this could be the end of Joe Biden's presidency tomorrow, and it doesn't. And I can't. I don't. I couldn't be happier about it. <laughs> Me too. There's a lot of shit. It's not just because I'm conservative. It's because ultimately you got to understand is when a person's elected as president, you need to put your feelings and shit aside and think, okay, what's he going to do? Let's see what he's going to do because not every president fulfills what they say they're going to do. A lot of them reverse what they say they're going to do anyway. So I figured, okay, this sucks, but this, you know, this isn't what I wanted, but let's just sit down and see what happens. And it was much worse. Of course, that's again, it's more than just the fact that I'm leaning towards Republican. It's the simple fact that this is not good. I don't really know. Thus far, I don't know any Democrat who's like agreeing with this. They, a lot of people are pissed off. A lot of people are upset. Of course, you got some people that got their own opinions, but in actuality, when you look at this, this is not a good thing. I think a lot of people are ready for this change. Um, you know, ultimately, it comes down to the fact that people wanted Trump out so bad, they voted this man in. Yeah. And now they're seeing the. The effect of it. There's a cause and effect to everything. So tomorrow could be a very historic day, or it could be a very shitty day. And I guess either way, it could be pretty historic, though, because these things tend to work themselves out anyway. It just sucks for everybody if it doesn't go the way it should. We'll see. Um, I also have a couple of races I'm managing that I'm interested in, and we'll see how those go. And This should really tell us... Um, and this should really tell us how 2020 is going to look. And if and that's going to be very interesting, just by itself. Right. Oh, well, there's plenty to come, too. This is one of many big changes that are going to happen. Um, the second thing that's breaking news, I had only read this on Daily Wire, though. I didn't actually look at other news sources yet because I just really don't like reading the news. So the... um. I always forget the name of the county. The school that had the issue with the father who was arrested because yeah. his daughter had made the claim about being. Yeah. So that person was found guilty. And these students performed a walkout, basically making chance that this, the county had covered up or protect or protecting rapists. Now, this is a good thing for the father and the daughter, because it is a form of justice, if you ask me. It's also a good thing for the people to open up their eyes and see that, yeah, there's um, there's some scandalous shit going on in this county and probably many others. This has got to be looked into. So that's good news. The bad news is is um, people that have students that go to a school like that or that one are probably really concerned right now. That's some scary shit on many levels. Yeah. And the and, problem is, too, go ahead. And a former governor, Democratic governor of Virginia said, and I quote, that parents shouldn't have control, they shouldn't have any control of what their kids learn in school. That shit was crazy to me. I was watching that. I was like, what the fuck? Dude, they're not hiding anymore. They don't have to. They're because people will buy this shit and they will take hold. Like, 
you would think that they would continue hiding behind a mask, but they're not hiding anymore. They're saying and, stuff like. And, and the, the crazy part is that Terry McCulphy doesn't send his kids to public school. He sends them. He spends thousands and thousands of dollars to send his kids to private school. That's a sad world we're living in when it comes down to that. Parents need to wake up. Whether you're on the right or left, this is not okay. You really should have a say in what your kid learns, especially if it's based on religion or beliefs. I mean, honestly, they shouldn't be talking about either in schools, in my opinion. If we can't talk about religion, we shouldn't be talking about political beliefs. We should just present facts. But they're not doing that. They're wasting time with these agendas. And we've heard audio clips. We've seen recordings of students being like obliterated by teachers, being indoctrinated, being coached being lectured about how evil they are because of this and that or what they don't know. You know, like it's it's so sad when you got a teacher telling these kids that you are unaware of the fact that you come from a family or a, a skin color that is an occult family. Like shit like that, for example. I'm not gonna name the exact event, but when you got a teacher belittling these kids because of skin color and because of an agenda that's in place, these kids aren't learning shit. They're just being coached. They're being trained. They're basically being prepped for the future. This is our future. And this is things. Coming, they're coming for your kids. They're going to make sure that um, the turk are going to turn your kids against you. And they're coming to make you feel. And they're co- they're coming to make your children to, um abandon the they're coming to force your children to abandon the values that you hold important right and this goes back to that saying that we've mentioned many times on the show uh the famous saying of in order to destroy a nation you start with the household you destroy the family once that's in place as we've seen in the past few years that makes it easier to destroy the country that's the purpose. That's the name of the game. If you can turn your kids against parents, you can easily turn them against man. That's just all across the board. And that's why people need to freak out. It doesn't matter what you believe. I think you need to be concerned about what's going to happen because you can teach your kid many different things. You can even teach them. Um, God, I don't know. Let's say you're a lefty. Eventually that's going to turn to bite you in the ass too with how these schools are working. It's not going to work out for you the way you think it is. Under communism, socialism, whatever you want to call it, it's a dictatorship all under one government. You are now a zombie. You are under control of the government. You, All your shit you believed, none of that exists anymore when they make rules. And if you think they're going to protect gay people, you've got another thing coming. History has shown gay people get targeted the most above and beyond people that disobey. Hey, we got a lot of tall roofs in Denver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of um, death, let's uh, let's talk about the juicy part. So this episode is dedicated to one of my favorite comedians of all time that I would like to talk about the life, death, and legacy of one Chris Farley. Dude, hands down, one of the greatest comedians of all time. I've been wanting to talk about him because I haven't watched a movie of his in years, not since I was a kid. And to be quite honest with you, it didn't get started until I was listening to some old Adam Sandler shit because we've talked shit about Adam Sandler before. He's, his shit's awful now, but 
I still have a soft spot in my heart. And so, like, you know, I go back and I listen to all the old albums from Adam Sandler when he was doing stand-up and when he had comedy sketches. Well, it made me think of, you know, SNL stuff. Now, bear in mind, I don't, I hate SNL. I think SNL's stupid. I never thought it was funny. Unless it's prior to when I was a kid. Like, when I was a kid, I enjoyed it, obviously. But the original SNL, the original guys that started it, and I'm talking, like, way before Belushi and all them, that's when it was funny. I enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed it, you know, when you had, like, Bill Murray and all them, too, of course. And like I said, I enjoyed it when I was a kid, but now I'm like, it's just not, it doesn't do anything for me. But that being said, when I think of SNL, I think of Chris Farley. I think of John Belushi. I think of Chevy Chase. I think of all these guys that were pretty much the pioneers of it. Chris Farley is arguably one of the greatest comedians of all time, especially for SNL. That's how he got his start. I actually did not know that because... I didn't watch a lot of SNL as a kid. What I did watch was like, a, mm, it was more like when Will Ferrell was around and Paul Rudd. So I didn't grow up watching like Adam Sandler and David Spade and all them. So I, like I said, I didn't know that he was on SNL. I remember him from Billy Madison. I remember him from um, Airheads, one of my favorite movies of all time. And then of course, the two greatest films of his entire career, Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. I like Beverly Hills Ninja, but I'm not going to get into that yet. But that being said, the first, uh, the first, the first, the thing is, um, Chris Farley died like eight months after I was born. Right. Um, yeah, like Tommy Boy came out in '95, I wasn't born yet. Uh, Black Sheep came out in '96, I wasn't born yet. But um, so my childhood didn't have. A lot of Chris Farley. Um, I first saw Chris Farley when he's on that date with the chick from Conehead, and they're right, yeah, Coneheads. Yeah. He was <laughs> that too. Well, for me, like I remember Billy Madison and all those movies, but I was very, very little too. I was born in '92, so I was like a little fucking. I was like young and man. Like I can't really recall the release of Black Sheep, but I remember how popular it was. It was a household name, and Chris Farley was a household name in my home. My mom loved him. My dad liked him. He was one of the funniest comedians of all time. I think that as much as I love Tommy Boy and Black Sheep, my favorite Chris Farley line is from Billy Madison. (laughs) When he's yelling at the kids about the buddy, he's like, everyone on? Good. Grand. Wonderful. (laughs) No yelling on the butts. Like, that's the funniest shit ever, and that's... That right there is what actually got me onto Chris Farley. I was like, damn, this dude's hilarious. And then as I got older, there were the more, you know, more movies. But when you're a kid, it doesn't register like it does when you're a teenager, when you start finding obsessions and celebrities and movies. So for me, the love for Chris Farley came a little later on after his death. Now, I do remember him when he, I remember when he died. I remember that. Uh, December 18th. Is it 97 or 98? Let me look this up. I got a couple. 97. 97. God. He died the same year I was born. Yep. 97, December 18th, and he was only 33. You can say what you want about 30s. That's fucking young. And he did die at the peak. He was famous for like five years, basically. People knew him from SNL, sure, but... And he died in a van by the river. Down by the river. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, like Chris Farley was like a stuntman in a sense. He did cartwheels. 
He was fucking landing on couches and tables, mm. breaking stuff. Like, he was so funny. But he was also known for being abnormally large. He had a very serious weight problem on top of the fact that he ate a lot. And that's not just from medical exam. That's from his friends, family. They all said the same thing, including David Spade and Adam Sandler and Chris Rock and all of them. They all said that he ate a lot. And um, he also did a lot of drugs, too. That's kind of a – I don't know what the story is behind that because, like I said, I never looked into that fully. I do have a couple of sources pulled up, but I don't know how – accurate they are because not a lot of sources are accurate i mean i've got the new yorker which is very left-leaning but they've produced a lot of stuff that has some sort of praise behind it another one i got that i actually like is my personal favorite it's called grunge.com i like grunge because they do a lot of like in-depth stuff and on grunge they talk about how chris farley had a lot of insecurities when he did movies um, his insecurity was basically it's not going to be good enough and they're going to see that after SNL I'm not as funny as I portray myself to be I'm just the fat guy that runs around and is obnoxious that's kind of one of the reasons he was fired from SNL was the simple fact that people weren't happy about it yes it was very popular and it was doing well but the ratings for SNL were really bad the reviews for SNL were just fucking terrible so that led to Adam Sandler and Farley being let go um, the full story on it, I don't fully, I don't completely know. I know f- for sure that, uh, they were fired. And so from that comes the movies like Tommy Boy and Black Sheep and on, but, um, he did have a problem with drugs. I not a hundred percent sure know what it was. I do know that, uh, he had died of an accidental drug overdose, which by the way is very, um, uh, it's very. It mirrors uh, John Belushi's death, which ironically was Farley's um, hero. A lot of people said that about him, and you know, a lot of his friends, you know, close celebrities, had all said things like, "You need to slow down, dude. Like, we don't want another John Belushi on our hands." But Farley had always portrayed his career to Belushi. He's like, well, Belushi did this, and look how he turned out. Belushi did this. He was funny. But the thing was, they didn't want another Belushi, and that's ultimately what ended up happening. It was identical to his mentor, and he died at the same age as his mentor, which is really fucking weird. It's kind of scary. It makes you wonder if um, he had tried to mirror his career off of his said hero. Um, I do know when I was watching uh, Adam Sandler's 100% 100% fresh stand-up special, the newest one. He had done a tribute to Chris Farley. Did you see that at all? Uh, yeah, I watched um, some parts of it on YouTube. Well, the tribute was sad. There's a line in the song where he says, we would all tell him, slow down, you'll end up like a candy, a Belushi and Candy. Farley would say, well, those guys are my heroes, so that's fine and dandy. And that hits home. That is so sad, especially when you know that Farley was, he idolized John Belushi. You know, like that was candy and then were his heroes. And that's ultimately what Chris Farley was. I'll go as far as saying as Chris Farley was the Belushi of the 90s. Farley was a very big deal. And when he died, that was also a big deal. I remember it as a kid. 97, I was, let's see. I was like five going, maybe like six a little close there, but I remember it. I was a little, little kid, but I remember it because my mom and dad were like, oh, my God, Chris Farley died. I'm like, who? 
the guy from Tommy Boy, the guy, and I was like, what? The chunky dude? <laughs> like, that guy was my hero. Like, he was funny as hell. I loved Chris Farley. And as I got older, Chris Farley became the inspiration of a lot of things that I enjoy. You know, like, Chris Farley is what wanted, what had got me to want to get into movies and stuff like that. You know, like, I always wanted to be a writer. But when it came to, like, movies, because I always had an obsession with film, Chris Farley was a big part of it. Farley's movies I absolutely loved. I wanted to get into stand-up because of him. I wanted to do comedy sketches because of him. I used to record myself with a camcorder doing stupid shit because of him. You know, like, that's it's a big part of my childhood. But as I get older, it's when it hits more that I'm like, damn, he's no longer with us. And again, he died at, like, the peak of his career. It was a he went too soon, right. and his unfortunately his last film really sucked, almost heroes or whatever it's called the one with uh Matthew Perry. I don't know if you had seen it, but it's uh definitely not good. So it's not a good closure film. I'd say Beverly Hills Ninja to me that's his last film because that was funny. It's not good, but it's funny. It's enjoyable. Um, it's really stupid. You know, I don't think. I don't think you can deny that it's a dumb movie, but it's super enjoyable. Let's be honest. What Chris Farley movie is actually that good? They're funny, though. You know, you enjoy them. Like no, Tommy, no. Tommy Boy's a good movie. Well, think of it like this. It's a good movie in the sense that you actually see some acting skills from Chris Farley when he is <laughs> trying so hard to make his dad proud. That's Chris Farley because his biggest hero aside from Belushi and them, was his dad. He always said that he wanted to make his dad proud. He wanted to make his dad laugh. And that's cool because a lot of celebrity stories are really sad. His was actually very um, uncommon for what it was. He came from a small town, Madison, I believe, is where he came from. Uh, Madison fucking, where the hell did he come from? I don't remember. Small town, I know that. He was on the football team, and he really wanted to be Liked by his peers, he was known as the class clown, and he did weird shit. That was just, that was Chris Farley for you. But he came from a small town, big family. Uh, you know, his brothers all tell stories about him, of course. There's numerous documentaries out about him now. Adam Sandler has talked about him a little bit. David Spade, of course, as well. But the point I'm making is he came from a, a not-so-troubled childhood, which a lot of celebrities do. So it's... It's weird the way things had ended for him, but it makes sense because of the fact that he had weight problems. He had a very severe heart condition that I guess was genetic on top of the speedball and all the drugs he was doing. And you got to remember, too, he was just getting bigger by the minute, too. The last time he did SNL when he returned, it was so horrible. You can see him sweating. You could tell he just wasn't comfortable or in the right place. You know, he wasn't in the right place of his life. Oh, no, you said a, you said a name that just straight unlocked memories. I forgot that I had. What's that? John Candy. Man, I love John Candy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, don't get me started on John Candy. The John Candy was a, was a, is gold. Uncle Buck. The Uncle One of Buck. My favorites. Barf. Wasn't the wasn't he in Great Outdoors with a. Fuck is his name? Aykroyd or I can't remember, but I thought he was yeah, in that too. Um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles—one of the greatest movies of all time. That's a funny one. I love that he's one. He's in the greatest comedy of all time, Spaceballs. 
he's barf and space mm-hmm. balls. You know what's um really weird though that I never knew until I looked into it. Chris Farley was originally supposed to be Shrek. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I do look into the story. It's weird. I guess he actually did like some voiceover when he was doing like an audition or whatever. And it was actually pretty decent. It was, you know, it was very Chris Farley, but because of his death, they had to make changes. And of course, Shrek gets postponed because Shrek didn't come out to like, what was it? Like 2000, 2001 or something like that. And then again, he died in 97. So, you know, there's a little bit of time there from the release. But yeah, he was originally going to be playing Shrek. And I do know that. Um, yeah, Shrek in 2001. They made right, $500 so million? Dollars? That's it? Yeah, I didn't know that either, actually. That's a, quite a bit of money. It was very fucking popular, though. When it came out, you got to remember, that was a that was a big hit. I remember seeing it in theaters. I remember watching it at home numerous times, so much to the point that I actually no longer wanted to see another one because the second one came out and I wasn't all that impressed. But I think it was because with that little amount of time, I had grown up so quick. I was like, man, I don't give a fuck about Shrek. So then I never saw the rest. I saw like bits and pieces of the newer ones, but I don't hold any like. hmm. Freaking. um, Which one is the where they go to forever after? That's Shrek 2, right? Does it go to where? They go to Fiona's parents' place. I think that is the second one. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I know there's a part yeah, in like a... Yeah. Yeah, that... Shrek 2 is better than Shrek 1. And it has the greatest... It has the great... is one of the greatest, like, animated, um, like, scenes of all time when Shrek's riding to the castle with the giant Gingy and the freaking... Um, Fairy Godmother is singing I Need a Hero. And he's sieging the castle by himself. That's that freaking that is so good. So good. See, I hardly remember it. I know that's when Puss in Boots comes around. I do remember there's a part, it's either in the third one or the fourth one. I can't remember which one, oh, but the, the stupid kid that's like do the roar. <laughs> do the roar. Yeah, I think that's the third one. It is trash. Could you imagine a little kid running up to Chris Farley, do the roar, and he's like, what? Like fucking <laughs> freaks out. No nah, man, the, the fucking story of Chris Farley is just so sad though. I fucking I have a hard time like sitting through and oh, reading no, some like man, childhood memories. It is in Shrek Forever After, the fourth one. God damn, how many are there? Technically four? Well, I know they there's did like little like, shows. There's like a bunch of like short um like Halloween versions and like Christmas versions, like episodes, and then there's the whole Puss in Boots movie. You count that as a Shrek movie? I don't remember the Puss in Boots movie. I remember it came out, and uh, I think it did well for itself, but I don't remember watching it. Yeah, it is again, four movies. Oh, I didn't watch the. I did. I did not watch the Puss in Boots movie. But I remember watching um, the TV show that came out on Netflix. Yeah. Like two episodes, and just couldn't. I couldn't watch it. was so bad. I um, I don't know. I, I never. I couldn't get it. I, like I said, the second one was where I was kind of like, eh, hold on, I'm looking at something. Okay. 
tumultuous because of his fondness for drinking drugs. Uh, Rolling Stone, here's another one. Uh, Rolling Stone's, I guess, kind of resourceful. By the time of his death, Farley had been doing a lot of things for a long time. Cocaine, heroin, marijuana, weed, and mushrooms were all on the table, along with alcohol and overeating. He died, he died from a cocaine and morphine overdose, right? Yeah. Um, what the fuck? God damn. He was found in his apartment by his one of his brothers. I know that. But what I want to know about is there's a story that's been floating around about his final days, like something to do with some girl. I want to see if I can find it. He had a heart condition. We know that. Yeah, I there's, ru- there's rumors that Chris Farley was murdered by some by like an ex-girlfriend, right? Something along those lines. That's what I'm looking for because I guess like uh, Adam Sandler and – a couple other celebrities that were like real life friends of them had said that they thought there was more to the story, at least as time goes on. Um, let's see here. Oh, okay, here we go. This is from Gawker. As we learned recently, Saturday Night Live's Chris Farley was far from covered loving during his final years by fellow cast members, and now a new biography of Chris Farley titled The Chris Farley Show will divulge into depressing tales from the friends. Of Farley and how exactly they went from former co-stars. Well, Chippendales was a weird sketch. I always hated it. The joke of it is basically, we can't hire you because you're fat. There's no comic twist to it. It's just effing mean. Chris wanted so much to be liked. As funny as that sketch was, it's one of the things that killed him. Oh, so they're saying like that. They thought that was a big part of it, yeah. Yeah, Sandler remembers telling us. Go ahead, sorry. Saturday Night Live writer Bob O'Dara called him totally nuts, but that's the least of it. Former cast members Norm MacDonald revealed that after Farley was let go from the show, he felt so low that he'd taken to bringing prostitutes to dinner and treating them sweetly. He'd introduced them to you as his girlfriend. Producer Lori Michaels had repeatedly compared Farley to his predecessor, John Belushi, who died at the same age of 33 under remarkably similar circumstances, after going on a drug-infused bed with a strange woman, he was left alone to die after injecting speedballs. Yeah, speedball is morphine and cocaine together. Right. Okay, and that's what it was. Something about a woman. They were when talking about asked that. To, when asked to compare Farley to John Belushi in an interview with TV Guide, Laura explained John was physical, but he could do remarkable impressions. He could do very deep character work. And I think that he found much more of his talent. Chris, he just didn't get the chance. He perhaps romanticized what he thought was John and the way John lived. Um, Michael's revealed in a much harsher take on Farley's problems. As soon as I heard he was, uh, it was heroin, I was having none of it. I, I had been through it with John, and I wasn't doing it again. Well, and that's one of the reasons they had fired him. That's actually a that's a primary reason that SNL had gotten rid of him. It wasn't just the issues with ratings a lot of it was they didn't want another john belushi and this i didn't know i'm looking at this right now um other celebrities like chevy chase recall taking the tough love approach again this is uh this is from all that's interesting.com so i don't know this could not be 100 percent true but according to this source using farley's um problem or basically chevy chase had told uh, Farley once look you're not John Belushi and when you overdose or kill yourself you will not have the same acclaim that John did you don't have the record of accomplishment 
that he had. This is called the tough love approach, whereas Adam Sandler tells him, you're going to die from that, buddy. you got to stop. It's not going to end right. Uh, 97, just two months before Farley's death, he returned to SNL to host the show he once dominated. His lack of stamina was shocking to the audience and cast who could immediately tell something was wrong. So how did Chris Farley die? We mentioned that. Yeah, it was because of the morphine and coke. I guess he had been in rehab after seven, uh, 17 times. God damn it. He could not outrun his demons. Uh, apparently, he had a big problem with booze, too, which they had mentioned, but I didn't know it was as big as the drugs. After a four-day binge involving booze and various drugs, Farley was found dead at the age of 33. His brother, John. John Farley's the one that found him. In his apartment entryway, wearing only pajama bottoms. His binge began at a club called Karma, where Farley partied until 2 a.m. Afterward, the party moved to his apartment. Yeah, that's a we've heard of quite a lot of that. Um, let's see. He was later spotted at a pub crawl. He blew off his plants to get a haircut and allegedly spent time with a 300 per hour call girl instead. She later claimed that she that the star was more interested in her providing cocaine than anything else. She says, I don't think he knew what he wanted. She said, you could just tell he was on a rampage. He just kept bouncing from room to room. What led up to this, though? That's what I'm always curious about. By the time uh, Farley's brother John had found him, it was too late. The cause of death was, of course, uh, toxicology report. Yeah. Um, Others suggested heart failure. Some even thought he had choked to death, but it's speculated to be drug and alcohol abuse. Hold on. Yeah. The cause of death is revealed to be an overdose that is known as a speedball, as we had mentioned. Um, Let's see. So that is an eerily similar combination of drugs that had claimed the life of his hero, John Belushi, who also died at the age of 33 back in 1982. In Farley's case, another significant contributing factor was a narrowing of the arteries of the heart. Okay, yeah, so we knew he had a heart problem. Apparently, alcohol was not part of the problem. But yeah, he was with a call girl. Um, I'm trying to look for that rumor I had found where they had said that they thought there was more to the story than that, but I guess it was just the Chippendales thing, which the Chippendales thing with Patrick Swayze, I thought was pretty goddamn funny. But I guess in retrospect, you look at it, it's kind of a, it's pretty heartbreaking. What the fuck is this? Apparently, Chris Farley was to Aspen. He became apparent the star was in major trouble. Farley's brother, John and Kevin, who also accompanied him on the trip, relayed how he was acting oddly even on the plane and probably began drinking and doing cocaine upon his arrival in Aspen. Spade recalled how he had forced Farley to bail on a formal dinner with the likes of Mike, uh, Michael's Dan Aykroyd and Steve Martin due to his inebriation and chase it knowing that Farley idolized John Belushi, who had died of a drug overdose in 1982 at the age of 33, remember his own desperate attempt to intervene. I read him the riot act that weekend. Everybody did. Chris was drunk and stoned, and on top of that, way overweight, Chase explained. <clears throat> I say that with him. I said, look, you're not John Belushi. Oh, you said this, blah, blah, blah. Um, someone remembered that the situation only got worse as the trip brought as Farley drifted away from his friends toward local party people who definitely did not have his best interests at heart. Farley was in a limo. I'd go to the door and knock on the window, roll down. There's Chris, and he's packed in there with girls and hangers-on. I'd see Chris at EFTA before, but this time he'd look as bad as anyone has ever looked. It was a horrible thing to watch. 
It's one thing to shake your finger in front of him and say you're going to kill yourself. Another thing to look at him and know he's going to do it. See, it's interesting you said that because I'm looking at something that Chris Rock had said about me. It said that they knew it was going to happen. The problem is they didn't want it to, but it was not really a question of if. It's just a matter of when. And that's when SNL stepped in. And but that was actually oh, that was when it was really bad. But then years later is when it finally when he finally bites the dust. Apparently, I hate to say it like that, but it's true. Um, I'm, I found something that was pretty interesting though. It's about what I said about Shrek. Okay, so yeah, he had done the. It's a snippet of voice recordings that Farley made in the months before his death for the title role in the animated movie Shrek. In the scene, Farley as Shrek says, people see me and they go, bah, help, a big, stinky, smelly, ugly ogre. I'm so scared they judge me before they even know me. That's kind of fucking ironic. It is perhaps too much to look for meaning about Farley's life in this tray line from a child. So... This article looks like they're trying to say that that might have had something to do with his issue. Uh, that's arguable, but that's kind of crazy. I never knew that Farley was in the running for that. And I guess Mike Myers knew him to some degree. I didn't know that either. I mean, makes sense. Wayne's World. He was in Wayne's World uh, 1 and 2. Um, let's see here. Uh, Tom Davis rec- recounts a conversation that he had with Farley. He said to him once, Chris, do you want to die like Belushi? Or you don't want to die like Belushi, do you? And Farley says, oh, yeah, that'd be really cool. Damn. Like I said, it makes you kind of wonder if he had gone for that. Let's see here. In 1996, Farley was sweating and barely able to catch his breath and shouted out, they're applauding because I'm fat. But Farley didn't live long enough to free himself from the kind of comedy that made him famous. So, yeah, it makes sense that he would have... Those issues, I mean, according to a lot of these people, his issue was really that he was uh, self-conscious. He had a lot of insecurities about his weight, even though that is what made him popular. And then, of course, the um, other side of that is the fact that some of these comedians are saying, well, Ultimately, it comes down to we weren't laughing at Farley. We're laughing with him. That's part of the comedy that he had created. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's no shocker. The issue is that the funniest people are funny because they have these same um, natural insecurities about always wanting to be liked and always wanting to be accepted. Yeah. It's, um, like even if, like the greatest one of like maybe the greatest comedic actor of all time, Robin Williams, had a lot of the same problems. Yeah, I mean, it, look at like you know we've talked about Robin Williams. They all had insecurities. They all had issues. They all had depression. Uh, the funniest people usually have something wrong with them. That's the saddest part. That's just the hardest reality to face. Damn, I didn't know this much about him. Even Bob Saget um, talked about having these dark moments where you're worried that someone is laughing at you, not laughing with you. And um, he says, but um, Bob Saget always says, when you're in that state of mind, it doesn't matter if they're laughing at you or with you. It just matters that you're part of the group. Yeah. And um, that's what happens with a lot of the funniest people around. 
And when you see, when they get small dry spells and they're actively feeling the, the connection, um, a lot of times it ends up them going downhill really fast. Right. And that's typical of what a lot of people are saying about Farley because I did watch one documentary. Well, no, I watched two. One was the My Name is Chris Farley or I Am Chris Farley, whatever the fuck it's called. That one wasn't all that interesting. It looked more like recounted memories. The other one was called Anything for a Laugh, and that's when they go really in-depth on the Chris Farley story, you know, the rise and fall. And even in there, they, they had said, you know, a lot of the issue that he had was the fact that he was worried about people laughing at him because he was the overweight guy. He looked funny when he fell. But what broke his heart the most is the fact that he had put a lot of work into those bruises that he earned from those falls, from those jokes. And that is heartbreaking, you know, and the saddest part is, is everyone around him knows eventually it's going to happen and they don't want it to. And then it does. And you got people like John Goodman and them showing up and John Goodman. I was shocked that he was a part of Varley's life. I, I didn't know that either. But you got all these people rushing to his funeral and they're like, damn, it actually did happen. You know, and it, it's heartbreaking to know that you got to bury a friend that you had been warning for a long time. And that shit hits home for me because I'm overweight, dangerously overweight, technically speaking. So, you know, I look at stuff like that. I'm like, damn, I don't want that to be me. That's fucking frightening. But I can see where the excess eating comes from and the insecurities because, dude, as a large man, of course I have moments where I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see. But one of my defense mechanisms is trying to be funny and trying to escape the fact that I'm not happy with how I look. A lot of that is also, you know, personal choices, too. I'm a big believer that only you can make those. You know, you have to make those changes. Nobody can do it for you. But you see in his case that he did try and wasn't good enough. You know, he had a hard time facing his demons. It's more of a kind of like a love letter to people's health, unfortunately. it's Everybody has these issues. Now, had Farley been any one of us, it wouldn't be obviously a popular story because they, they're not famous. He is famous, or was, and to be quite honest with you, as I've said before, I thought he was one of the greatest comedians of all time. I won't say he was the number one top comedian of all time, but he is one of. He's definitely up there. I mean, I loved, from what I've seen, I've loved his SNL sketches, and I don't like SNL, but I still loved him. Some of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life come from him. He's in some of the funniest the movies I love the most, you know, like... I think I don't like Black Sheep as much as I do Tommy Boy, but I still have an equal amount of love for, you know, both. Tommy Boy is just hands down amazing. Him and David Spade together, man, oh my God. The chemistry, you could tell they were real-life best friends. And, and Tommy Boy does have, like, the best joke of all his movies. We talk about the words, like, does this suit make me look fat? And David Spade's like, no, it's just your face. No. <laughs> Dude, to this day, I still will just like when we're on we're on the truck. Um, every once Jack. in a while, when we're on the truck, I'll drive into one of the places where we're gonna go, and oh. I jump off the truck and I scream, "Bees! The bees! Oh God, the bees! Save yourselves!" And run around the truck, and my, and my, my boss are like. Stop! Stop doing that! Get back in here! I'm like, <laughs> Stop <doing> I love when the fucking M&Ms fall out and they go into the the fucking 
the dashboard of the the, the car they're driving. <laughs> he just drops him. He's like, "Oh, son of a bitch." <laughs> Oh, fuck, man. I get teary-eyed thinking about that movie, though, because, like I said, it brings back a lot of good memories from my childhood. Hey, did you know that Tommy Boy is, like, one of the top-selling V, v- like, not VHS, it's one of the top-selling, like, um, at-home purchases, purchases, I guess you can say, like, it did oh. really well on VHS. Interesting. Yeah, I would and imagine it, it, I, yeah, I would imagine it not being, it being a big home seller, not a lot of Right. But like when I was doing like some research for this episode, what really threw me off was there are like pictures of him dead just on the internet. Dude, I can't look at those. I've tried. I'm like, that's too much for me. I'm just like, I saw one man and it really fucked me up a little bit. I was like, no. Then it just seems too real. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. But and I was like, I was like, geez. And there's no one else you look up in the one of the top of stars that they just spread out on the floor. That's so sad, man. Like, how it happened to it's death is abrupt. It's for anybody. Nobody is going to live forever. It's going to happen to everybody eventually, but it's so sad in this case because, again, it was bound to happen. And the way it, like, he had so much potential ahead of him. That's the thing that sucks the most. It really was like the, it is the peak of his career, but dude, he had so much to look forward to. Because look at Adam Sandler and them. We can talk shit about them all we want. Look how fucking much they've accomplished. Right. That could have been David or David Spade. I mean, fuck David Spade. But the, <laughs> that could have been Chris Farley. But it's not. That's the, it's the insane part. And if you really look at his, right. uh, you know, his IMDb and. You look at it like the filmography or whatever. It's very, very short. There was like that amount of time was all he had. And unfortunately, we don't we don't get enough because of what happened. But just that little amount is a legacy that he left behind. Because aside from what I had said about Chevy, Chevy Chase talking to him the way he did, Chris Farley is definitely and has left an impact behind. His legacy is huge. Unfortunately, right. he is known as the fat guy that died. Because I've heard a lot of people ask him, like, do you remember Chris Farley? Like, oh, the fat dude that overdosed. And I'm like, man, that's a fucked up way to look at it. But yeah, if you remember that, I guess. But I remember, you know, that's the guy from Tommy Boy. That's the guy that <laughs> was talking about Veronica Vaughn, <laughs> Billy Madison. Like, damn, that's so crazy, though. Because you just think about it more and more. Like, he could have been up there with Adam Sandler and David Spade and all those guys. But yeah, he's not here with us. And his brothers, I think one of them does stand up. I've never actually looked into it because that seems a little weird to me. John, right? It's one of them. He's got two. I think he has two brothers that are famous. Either they both do it or only one of them. I think it's the older one or the younger one. I fucking don't remember. He looks just like him, though. John, John Farley. Is somebody? Damn, I remember for some reason. Looks like the only thing he was in. Oh, he's that's why I know him from Joe Dirt. <laughs> yeah, he's the fucking guard or whatever. He's like, uh, Joe Dirte. Like, don't you mean Dirt? <laughs> I think that's fucking him. But yeah, Kevin Farley is a stand-up comedian. He's on um, 
Um, he's on Laugh Factory all the time. So maybe it is him then. And then I know he, uh, it's probably the cousin I'm thinking of that looks like him. And, uh, well, Kevin Farley looks a lot like him. Just he has Maybe that's the one. Longer hair yeah. and a beard. That's probably the one I'm thinking of. But man, what a fucking career he could have. I mean, in the little amount of time he had, that's a pretty big career too. Yeah. To go from right. SNL being let go and then being in some of the greatest movies today, or maybe not great, but impactful. Like those will go down in history as some of the funniest movies of all time. Tommy Boy alone is like the equivalent, if not better, than Adam Sandler at his peak with uh, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, all those movies. Like, yeah, I love Adam Sandler, but I think Chris Farley accomplished more than he did in just that small amount of time. But as I've said, unfortunately, we don't get a lot of Chris Farley for obvious reasons. But, yeah, um, the last thing I want to say about that, though, is that fucking tribute that Adam Sandler did, too. That was hard, like to sit there because you're like, it's probably gonna be funny, and it wasn't funny, like at all. No, dude, it actually rhymed too. Adam Sandler is not known for rhyming his shit. Don't get me wrong, I love his, you know, sketches and all that, but like that shit was serious from beginning to end, and I was waiting for it to get funny, and then it started getting dark and more and more depressing, and I was like, yeah, it's time to, it's time to kill myself, I guess. (laughs) I think this shit was fucking sad. And I'm just Jackson Speedball. Morphine and cocaine, apparently. I bet you that that could definitely kill my ass because I weigh more than he did when he died. But here's the thing, too, is people's bodies are different. Like mine, it is a lot of chub, but it's also a lot of muscle. Like I'm a big boy, but I have a lot of muscle, too. People's weight affects them. Personally, weigh $298, or 298 pounds. Homie, you don't want to know how much I weigh. But he was only yeah. five foot eight. You're like what six foot? I'm like five eleven. I'm basically six. Yeah. So like, I am. I am a. I'm considered morbid obesity. But even my doctor's like, well, for your height though, a lot of that is muscle. Like you wouldn't want to be at two hundred. And I'm like, uh, I mean, I definitely would love to be at two hundred. I'd love to be skinny. But he's like, you know, you're a pretty big boy. So you don't want to be necessarily too skinny. But again, what I'm saying is weight affects everyone differently. Yeah, he was a shorter guy. And you could tell by the no neck that was going on there towards the end. No pun intended. I was not trying to make a joke. But now that I think about it, it's pretty goddamn funny because that reminds me of... The thing is, his neck was so thick he couldn't hang himself. He had to get a deal. He couldn't hang himself with. He had a neck that was pretty thick. Like it was, there was no neck. That was a thick neck. That was a that That was was a fatty neck. (laughs) And I make these jokes in love because, again, he's one of my idols, and you got to crack jokes at some point. Like it sucks that he died. It sucks that he had such a troubled life and that he's gone because, again, he left behind a big legacy for people like me that idolized him and pretty much anyone that loves his work. So it does suck, but you got to crack jokes too. I think one of the, my favorite jokes about him when I think about it is, um, you know, your career could suck, but it could also be Chris Farley and Beverly Hills Ninja. That that would suck, too. Like I said, it's a funny movie and I enjoy it, but that's a really shitty position to be in. That's like, OK, any movie that 
is supposed to basically parody karate and has a white actor in it, and it's definitely an American-made film, is so stupid. Bulletproof <laughs> Monk is one of the dumbest fucking movies I've ever seen in my life. I would be pissed. Like, that That really fucking sucks. Right. I've never actually seen one that I would say is any, like, remember the movie, uh, it was not Kung Fu, fucking, god damn it. You know what I'm talking about. Um, what, it's, a uh, Kung Pao or, god, I can't remember the fucking name. It's such a horrible movie. It's where they make fun of, like, everything about Kung Fu, basically. It's from the director of like Ace Ventura. Too. Now I gotta look this up because it's gonna fuck with me. We're gonna we're gonna find this out before we close this show because this is really gonna bother me. This is one of the most horrible fucking movies I've ever seen in my life, and well, it's considered think, one of the best. The only thing I can think of is like, I'll Kung, know, I am you, you are me. <laughs> Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Do you remember that shit? Oh my. Um. Steve Odenkirk. So Steve Odenkirk was the writer. He was in that movie I just said, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist, but he was also the writer for Bruce Almighty, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, which... I have never seen this This. You've never seen this movie? Okay, don't. (laughs) All I see is a cow kicking somebody. Dude, it's a really dumb movie, but it's a popular one. Like that movie came out and like people were like, oh, my God, greatest thing ever because it's stupid. It's meant to be stupid. It's just so dumb, dude. I hate movies like that. They're hard to sit through. I don't fucking. Right. I I get the point. It's supposed to be dumb and funny, but I'm like, man, you got to make it like worth it. And movies like that and Bulletproof Monk are just not fucking worth it. Beverly Hills Ninja is stupid, but like I said, I like it. It's just fucking dumb. Probably not the smartest decision that dude made. I don't even think <laughs> Chippendales is what killed him. It was probably Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> but uh, anyway, to wrap it up on Farley, definitely one of the greatest comedians of all time, or stand-up, whatever you want to call him. I call him comedian just because to me, that's what he was. He was a form of laughter. He did that for me as a child. He did that for me when I was teenager growing up watching his stuff even after he passed one of my favorites of all time he's definitely to me he's up there with Belushi and Candy and Chase and all those guys and those guys are definitely what made SNL amazing I can't watch it now because it's just so it's boring that's what it is it's not even that it's like too political it's just boring it's not what it used to be but that's just how things are Nothing will ever be the same. You know what I mean? And you'd get tired of it if it was, too. That is why I don't want another Ghostbusters movie. I thought I did, and I think about it now. I'm like, no, because if it's too much like the original, I'm going to complain. If it's not enough like the original, I'm going to complain. Leave it alone. It's a chapter of your life. Leave it at that. Yeah, but but it's all right, so. (laughs) Yeah, that's the reason I'm going to watch it. Not to mention Bill Murray and them are in it. I'm just more like, God damn it, I don't want to fucking... This is going to be sad because it's supposed to be a Passing of the Torch movie. Obviously, you don't want to go see a movie where Bill Murray's running around in a Ghostbusters uniform at fucking 70 or however. That looks horrible. He looks decrepit as shit. Dan Aykroyd looks like he can barely breathe when he walks. Nobody wants to see that movie. 
That's like how old is Dan Aykroyd at this point? Is he like a million years old? I bet you he's like seventy at least. I know he's all fucking like crazy into UFOs and aliens. <laughs> so he really is, dude. Like, I thought that was just like rumors, but then I had like listened to that episode of Joe Rogan where he was on there. Dude was like nuts into it. I was like, oh my god, this guy's worse than Tom DeLonge. <laughs> How old is Dan Aykroyd? Um, well, hey, if you if you got if you, if you got blown by a ghost, you'd be living the supernatural stuff. Well, I mean, he don't have to do anything anymore. That guy's probably set for life. He's in some of the greatest movies of all time. Dan Aykroyd is seventy years old. Oh shit! On the mark, seventy. Well, then Bill Murray's definitely got to be like seventy. He's old too. Oh, How Jim Belushi's only sixty-seven years old. Fuck. How old is Bill Murray? Seventy. Tell. Yeah, I was Dude, just I'm telling you, he's got to like be like ninety years old. Yeah, no, he looks terrible. Oh like, my really, really god. Bad. Rick Moranis is 68. Ah! Rick Moranis got the fucking wind knocked out of him, dude. Did dude, you hear about that Rick shit? Rick Moranis has a forehead the size of a freaking whiteboard. You could teach <laughs> elementary school on that thing. <laughs> See, if they do a Ghostbusters, they better have him in there just as a cameo. Fuck it. Throw Sigourney Weaver in there, too. She's a big part of the first one. I didn't like the second. Did you ever watch the second one? Yeah. I didn't Please care for okay. it. It's not as funny as the first one. The The female one, though, that was really stupid. That was kind of a bad. I was so the, excited the, for it, and it was just so bad. I wasn't excited because I was like, damn it, that's not the Ghostbusters. But I was like willing to give it a shot. It didn't land very well with me. There was some funny moments, but... The problem with it that drove me nuts was you had all these actresses that were so fucking funny. How do you fuck that up? I know. And like the and the person who wrote who directed it is a great director. He did Bridesmaids. Like, Bridesmaids, yeah. So you're like, how do you fuck this up? And it was bad, really, really bad. Are you ready? I would tell you what the reason why. Chris Hemsworth is not as good as people think he is. He's kind no, he's of fun. Not. He's kind of funny, but they tried to shoehorn him, shoehorn him in to be funny, and it didn't work. And also, right. what is her name? She got Roseanne Barr canceled because Roseanne Barr said she looks like a gorilla. I know who you're talking about. The big one, yeah. Leslie, or yeah, uh, Leslie, um, man, or some shit like that. Or not man, I don't know. No, I don't think it's man. You know, Leslie Mann is um, a <laughs> chick from Knocked Up. Yeah, different person. <laughs> Leslie. She's also like Leslie Saturday Night Live will pop up. Oh, yeah, Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones. And Roseanne Barr like said she looks like, a, looks like a gorilla, and she got freaking her whole thing canceled. Yeah, dude, they tried to get her her whole life. Roseanne's like, it's. I'm not saying she looks like a gorilla because she's black. I'm just saying she looks like a gorilla. If a white person looked like that, I'd say he looked like a gorilla too. I was like, so you mean to tell me if she looked, if a white guy looked like a black person, you say he looked like a gorilla? 
<laughs> like damn, bro, just shut up. Yeah, like you're just making it worse. But to close on that, um, I don't know if you heard the news. They re- they hired Chris Evans to voice Buzz Lightyear in the spinoff movie, and it's not going to be uh, Tim Allen. Tim Allen's so traded. I know. I'm not going to watch it, dude. I don't care how much I love Toy Story. I'm not fucking watching it. That's not Buzz Lightyear. I don't care. I'm, wa- I'm watching it because I'm a freaking whore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's like, I love Chris Evans. So like, no, I get the appeal. That's not Buzz Lightyear, though. That's what pisses me off. I'm like, but here's the, the thing. Why? Here's the thing. That's not Buzz Lightyear. Tim Allen's Buzz Lightyear. That is the TV show that the Buzz Light Tim Allen's Buzz Lightyear toy is based off of. Yeah, no, it's a different story. It's not a Toy Story movie, and you know, so it's, I guess it's acceptable. But I'm also like, uh, I wonder what happened there. Not much is on it. They're saying it's not political, but I can almost guarantee you it is. Well, what I think it was is that Tim Allen was just too expensive. That could be, yeah. Because he's so busy and everything. Yeah, he still does stand-up, and he's old as hell. But, he does uh, stand-up, he's doing his own TV show. Right. Yeah, no, he's a... Tim Allen's one of my favorites, too. We gotta do an episode on him one time. Yeah, That'd be do. pretty cool. Him and Tom let's Hanks. Wait o- let's wait till he overdoes on speedball, though. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you he'd shoot himself instead. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, uh, there's one... If I had to put money on one person I don't think would kill themselves, it'd be Tim Allen because he's like the only conservative and they're the only people who I actually care and are actually yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, no shit. He seems like a really nice person. I cannot wait to meet him if I ever do. And it better not be when I'm looking at his tombstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll be fucked up. My life is going too fast. So is his. But uh, thanks, guys, for listening. We put a lot of heart and soul into this one. So, you know, I actually did a lot of research for this because I was like, I want to talk about one of my heroes. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You can hear this episode and many of the past episodes at thegreatgirthpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, We're available pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Otherwise, Austin, buddy, I will see you on Monday. Adios.